Hello, everyone, and welcome to What the Fuck's Up podcast. Today, I am here with the beautiful, wonderful Sally Olivia Kim, who I am going to introduce right now. So Sally is an entrepreneur and the founder of Crush Tonic Collagen Skincare Drinks. She was born in Seoul, Korea, and grew up in Orange County, and then went on to attend NYU, where she majored in English. Before starting Crush Tonic, Sally worked in the finance world doing digital strategy at, am I okay? <laughs> doing digital strategy at Condé Nast, but her path was altered when she suffered a severe burn from cooking. After months of desperately searching for something to heal her skin, she eventually turned to ingestible collagen, which helped not only her burn, but also her skin's overall appearance as well as her hair's. Since starting Crush Tonic, she has left Condé Nast to pursue her business full-time. She has also written a cookbook called The Collagen Glow. Today, Crush Tonic is partnered with big-name brands, including but not limited to Sephora, Kith, and Equinox, where reviewers have raved about its positive effects on their skin, hair, and overall mood. So welcome. What the fuck's up, Sally? How are you? Hi. So nice to see you. So nice to see you. Me with the intros. It's like, I went to Northwestern. I went to a really good high school, but you know, reading, it's it's tough. Honestly, like <laughs> whenever I do these interviews, I yeah. get the most stuck and screwed up on my own intro things that I've said literally 30,000 times. A thousand times. But it's like the exactly. more I say it, the more it fucks me up. <laughs> it's so real. It's like it's when I'm talking about points that literally I know about because that's why I started the podcast. Like I have researched them heavily. I've said it a billion times because it comes up every episode. Those are always the points I stumble over because it's almost like you're so rehearsed that you're like, wait, if I don't say it this certain (laughs) way, like. No, I, I completely agree with that. It's so funny. But on that note, and I feel bad asking you to do this now, but could you just give a little summary of like you, your business, how you got into it? Doesn't have to be anything crazy, but just because it's always better in the person's words, even if you, even if you fuck it up. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I got burned about three years ago and I had these crazy burns like up and down both my arms. Like maybe I could show you. It's so clear now for anyone listening, like her arms look totally normal. And I used to have, it was like leopard skin. Like I had crazy dots up and down both my arms, burn blisters. I would go to bed with these golf gloves on, you know, like the ones that cover like up into your elbow. And then I would wake up and it would be all bloody. It was just like really, really bad. And I was like, how can I get my skin to heal and regenerate? This isn't okay. And I was 22, 23 at the time. So the skin problems I had were less about aging and more about regenerating. Like, how can I get my skin to come back to what it used to look like? Then I found collagen and I started drinking it every day and I was like, this can't hurt. You know, I had done so much at that point to make my burn blisters go away that I was like, whatever. And I just kind of went for it. And then about a month later, everyone was like, oh my God, your skin and hair look amazing. What did you do? And I was like, wait, really? The only thing I've been doing different is collagen. So I started giving it to everyone around me. And I was like, take collagen, take collagen. And it was really bad because I would literally show up to work with bags of white powder and give it to people. <laughs> and they're like, what is this? They're like, do and we have like, a drug powder in yeah. the office? This is not good. At one point, my kitchen looked like a lab. It looked like Breaking Bad. <laughs> 
Oh my God, because you were making it too. Yeah, because collagen tastes bad. Like I would really venture out to say my collagen is really rare and that you can't taste the protein, the gaminess of collagen powder, but most collagen powders you can. So I really struggled with in the beginning and that's why I had to like flavor a bunch of things to make the yeah. taste of it go away. And I tested so many different collagen powders like for that reason. And I was like, you know, like just experimenting, vetting. And then finally I came up with a collagen powder that worked for me, gave it to everyone, but they still didn't really like it. And like, I was like, add it to coffee, add it to smoothies, but the friction in adding something to their diet, it wasn't easy for the people I gave collagen to. So I kind of just reverse engineered the experience of drinking collagen. I was like, people drink coffee every day. People drink matcha every day. If I made it into matcha and people were to just add water to it, then maybe they'll drink it more. I did that and a month later, everyone called me and were like, can you make me more? Like, I'll actually pay you. And you're like, wait, I can make yeah. money. <laughs> but the thing is like in the beginning, like I had no intention of it being something that I made money from, you know? I really genuinely just wanted everyone to drink it. And I'm one of those people, like if I like something, I have to push everyone to do it. I'm like, you have to buy from this brand. You have to try this restaurant. You have to do this. I'm like the personal Yelper, but more aggressive. I love that. And so that was it for me in the beginning. And then and I kept making it for people and they were just kind of covering the cost of it. But after about three months, I was like, I guess there's something here. And like just through word of mouth alone, I was doing, you know, thousands of dollars and um, not even trying to make profit off of it. And this is before your event launched? Correct. So this was kind of like what wow. instigated me and like what catalyzed Crestronics Genesis. And then about... Three months later, I kind of started talking to like other manufacturers and co-packers. And then I added probiotics to it because I came across a really amazing patented probiotics brand that pretty much saved my life. Like I have really bad IBS and like, right there with you. I feel like a lot of people do right? I don't know what our parents were eating that fucked us up. But. Exactly. But the thing is people take that as a norm. They're like, oh, my stomach hurts today, whatever. But it's not the norm. Your stomach's not supposed to be like hurting every day. And 90% of our serotonin, what makes us happy is produced in our stomach. So if you really think about that, it's so vital that we keep our stomachs like happy and healthy. So I was like taking probiotics every day and I added probiotics to the mix. And then I was taking biotin every day because I have like, I used to have really thin hair, which it's not the case now, but I used to have like a bald spot here and I was getting really self-conscious about my hair falling out. I was really stressed. So I added biotin to this formula and it was just kind of like my own little anti-aging fountain of youth concoction that I made. And then it worked. People liked it. And I kind of just ran with it. And a few months later, someone from Sephora came across it. So even before we officially wow. launched, we got into Sephora. And then as soon as I launched and it did well, I got my book deal. It's called Collagen Glow. I'll actually show you. I have it with me. Yes, let's see it. It looks like this it has like all the different recipes that i made using so like, collagen cute. in the beginning and i'm like really proud of it <laughs> so there's like smoothies and soups and a lot of the collagen research that i've done so cute but i really wanted to show everyone that you can make collagen tastes good like it doesn't have to be protein drink that you don't look forward to taking and that was like really important to me so that was about two and a half years ago and now we're 
Um, in Sephora, we've worked with partners like FabFitFun. We're going to be launching with JetBlue soon. Um, we're in Equinox Hotel, Equinox Erewhon. Erewhon, if you don't know it because you don't live in LA, you know it if you've watched You on Netflix. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is the funniest thing ever. What do they call theirs? Nirvana. Yes, no, but Nir- then they spell it backwards and then... Exactly. Um, Which is what Erwan does. Yes, yes, yes. So Erwan is nowhere spelled backwards. And then they have Nirvana spelled backwards. It's so so funny. funny. It's like, you know, in the writer's room, they're like, how can we make him work at the douchiest? I mean, I I say that, but I go to Erwan like every day. So I I am a douche. Same, same. But um, no, but it's just, it's very high price point very health oriented high-end products but it's also so good and so yummy and the fact that you got in there also just speaks to how well it's doing because it does seem like they really vet who they let in and it has to be really clean product wise so that's really impressive that you're in all these places Thank you. To be honest, getting into Erwan was a bigger deal for me than the other players because Erwan, you know, is such a top standard and they make sure that everything there is good for you. And it's more about quality and less about branding, which is something that a lot of supplement brands, I think today, are still kind of struggling to get the balance of because a lot of them are really well branded, but they're poorly sourced or, you know, they're really, really well sourced, but they're poorly branded, look really mom and pop. And I think, you know, getting the mix of the two is really integral to having a strong supplement brand and getting into Erewhon and Sephora showed me that we have both. So, um, yeah, yeah, but definitely getting to Erewhon was like one of my biggest goals for sure. It's so impressive. And a lot of what I like to talk about on this podcast is kind of centered around your 20s and transitions. And it's just so impressive to me how now you're doing it full time. So you have more of that time to pour your energy into it and make sure all those components are so perfect, which you clearly have. But starting out, you were still working a full-time finance job at Condé Nast. Right. So what was that transition like? And did you ever have fear going in, really committing yourself 100% to, as you've said, bootstrapping and leaving your more secure nine-to-five job? Yeah, I mean, at one point, I was waking up at 4 a.m. every day, going to bed at 12 a.m., averaging four hours of sleep and doing it over and over again. I did that for probably two years. And obviously, I was lucky enough to be able to do that. Condé Nast allowed us freedom to be able to do things outside of our work. And I think also, you know, being in that environment, being in a really press central environment definitely helped me get in front of editors. You know, I was pitching to Anna Wintour at one point. And insane. Yeah. And, you know, the beauty editor, the senior beauty editor of Allure became one of my really good friends. And all of that definitely really helped. Talking to Michelle Lee about collagen was like one of the most exciting moments. Even before we launched, I was able to talk to her about Ingestible Beauty, like the editor-in-chief of Allure. So being in that environment was super inspiring at times, but for sure not being able to pursue it full time definitely led to like some setbacks. We were a lot slower. We're still a little bit of a slower brand and we're bootstrapped. So like, I don't have a ton of investor capital, but I think at the end of the day, like I needed to make sure that I was fully ready to go and like do this full time. And I think I needed a year to really work on it. Totally. And 
I think that like it makes so much sense because first of all, you're building all these amazing connections and people who can help and inspire you, as you said. But then also it seems like from everything you've told me and from what you're saying right now, you really were your main, if not only investor, especially starting out. So it's like you had to also build up that capital to be able to put it back into it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think for those of you who like for those entrepreneurs who are like ever a little bit scared to push forward, it's like you are your biggest investment, you know, cut down on some of the things that you do every week that lead for you to spend like hundreds and hundreds of dollars on like random stuff like drinking over time <laughs> exactly I think I didn't go out for like two years you know like I was really just like focused on this and it wasn't fun for me when I went out because the whole time I was thinking like oh my god I have to do this and that and talk to this person why am I out right now what am I possibly getting out of being out right now so I think that was really big that was really important but capital obviously is something that inhibits a lot of people from starting their passion but I would never I don't know I just would personally never say money is what's going to stop me you know like just go for it get it some way like work another job I've never personally done this but I talked to someone and was he um he became an uber driver for like a few months like I was like wow do it (laughs) do that especially in the acting world it's like you see so many people with these side hustles it's such a necessary evil sometimes but it's so cool at the end of the day if you can put your time every day into like what you actually want to be doing and what you actually believe in exactly so you were just mentioning how when you're out sometimes or when you were out especially these past two years when you've been really growing crush tonic how you felt like you couldn't be present which is such a thing Even like starting this podcast, being entrepreneurial in that respect. And because I'm not working another job right now and I'm treating this as my full-time job, I'll find myself having a really hard time sometimes balancing personal life with work life because like sometimes you can't turn it off because you're like, I could always be working. And especially if you're home and you're not going into an office every day, sometimes it becomes harder to create those boundaries. So you were telling me before the interview a little bit about how sometimes you felt like your friendships or your relationships were suffering because you were pouring so much time into the company. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, So my relationships are, they're anecdotal and I'm sure not everyone goes through what I've gone through, but I think a lot of the issues that I've come across was like my friends feeling like they thought I wasn't making time for them anymore or they thought that I didn't like care about them anymore but it was like so far from that but when you had just put in all your life into something you don't have time for checking the other lanes like you're going like full speed at this lane and I've gotten called out so many times from my girlfriends being like you think you're too good for me now like you have like a following and I'm like Dude, it's like not even about that. I just have stuff to do 24-7. And I think something that's really important was, you know, during the week, like it's like Monday through Friday, I'm working 12 hours a day. I'm trying to get my company set up and running. And then Friday, Sunday, that's time for me to network in ways that I wasn't able to during the week. So I'm not able to spend that weekend going out partying anymore because I'm networking and I'm like meeting people who could either work with me, partner with me, you know, and like, I feel like people 
if I would tell them like I'm working and then they see that I'm out, they run into me. They're like, oh, you're working. And I'm like, dude, I am working. This is just like a different kind of work now. It just so, looks a little more fun, but it's still uh, yeah, like exactly. my business and, is still at the forefront of my mind while I'm at like these dinners or yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm still going to dinner, but that's yeah. my work now. And then I think, you know, like in romantic relationships, it just gets hard because when push comes to shove and I have to choose between like my company or seeing someone that I genuinely do want to see, but I can't, like I still have to go tend to crushed. And I think that's probably led to like a lot of um, rifts in my relationships. And then I also just, I'm like very bad at like, you know, responding on time. I've always been bad, but now that I wake up to like 200 text messages, 30 emails, the last thing I want to do is like talk to someone all day on text. And then in general, like if I'm like, this gives me too much like anxiety, I'm too worried. I'm like, whatever. Then I'll just be like, okay, like no more because everything for me is priority first. And like, that's my business. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, especially the friend thing, it makes sense. It's also always weird when you are the person running your business and you're also the one like promoting it and doing all this stuff with it and you're pouring so much time into it and then you'll see some friends being really supportive and then others not as much, but then still expecting like you to hang out on the weekends in the same way. It's like, wait, but couldn't you have like... I completely completely agree with that. And it's like, I feel like they don't think that it goes both ways. I'm like, you know, like I have friends that will just like shut, like they'll be like, oh, you don't support me as a friend. Bye. And I'm like, but are you supporting me? This is a mutual relationship. And that kind of confuses me too. Like, I feel like people like automatically are like, you're doing well, like you don't need me. And I'm like, what? No, I need you. I miss you so much. I hate the other things going on. Come back. But like, <laughs> but then like you said, they don't really support you. And it's like, okay. Well, I think in a way that points to your success. I think people feel like they don't have to be as responsible for you if they see you're always working or like for you, you have amassed this kind of following and like these random people who are trying your product and being like, oh my God, it changed my life. Thank you so much. I love you. And they're like, okay, well, she doesn't need me anymore. But in reality, that's, you know, whatever level you're at, that's like not how it works. Also, I feel like people don't understand the work that goes into it especially when it's the beginning stages. Like I'm moving back to New York, for example. They're like, what are you going to do in New York? I'm like, I'm doing my podcast. That's my job now. That's why I have this Instagram. That's why I'm harassing people with 10 (laughs) posts a day about it. You know, it's like, it's not like I feel totally self-assured with posting thing after thing about it. It's like, I really want to grow this thing, you know? So sometimes, yeah, sometimes that's, that's a transition for sure. Okay, so another thing I wanted to ask you about, because I do love feminist themes and bringing them up in the podcast. As a female entrepreneur, did you ever feel like you faced certain obstacles or roadblocks that other male entrepreneurs your age would not face? Or did you ever feel like you were being taken less seriously? For sure, for sure. Oh my God. If I could do like a thesis on male entrepreneur versus female entrepreneur, it would, that would be my (laughs) new startup. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's your new passion. I am very impassioned by that for sure. Like, and I think, you know, there's so much to be said about that. People definitely take less risks on female, you know, take less chances on female entrepreneurs. And there have been countless times where I'll show up to a meeting and they'll be like, where's Sal at? They literally think I am Sal's secretary. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm Sally. And they're like, that's so embarrassing. Oh for my them, God, though. what? I thought you were a guy this whole time. And I'm like, no. So now on my email, I have to put like a little picture of me. And <laughs> just like the fact that he automatically assumed a girl being there isn't wow. the founder or the CEO, like he's secretary assistant. And like, you know, no, all, no shame. I'm all for people who are and like, totally. you know, there's such integral roles, but it's happened so many times. And like, I'd meet with manufacturers and they're just like, dear sir. And I'm like, what? You just talked to me on the phone. People are just wa naturally wired to want you to be a man. So that's like definitely been an issue. I think, you know, when you look at stats, really the only female entrepreneurs that get money are the ones in beauty and investors like we want to invest in beauty like Glossier, you know? Yeah. If you were to look at all across the board, all the various niches, I doubt females get even, you know, the small percentage of investment that we do get. I don't know if that would happen if it wasn't a female like focus sector totally. and niche. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely been an issue. And I think in general, like people in the beginning, they thought that I was kind of crazy. They were like, girls don't do this stuff. Even my parents were like, why? What's the point of you doing something like this? After a while, my parents were like, okay, sell crushed tonic for like a couple mil, go to for school. For a couple mil, like, yeah. let's just write off all your accomplishments. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, just get back the money that you put into and then go to business school and get married. Literally, that was like the advice that given for me. They wanted me to go to Harvard and meet my Prince Charming and then have him start a business and me have his kids. So that was like a huge thing. And for so much of my career, I was like, I need to prove my parents wrong. Recently, my dad was like, most entrepreneurs fail by year two. You're now at almost going to year three. I have to give it to you. You're a better entrepreneur than I was. So my dad was an entrepreneur and he like didn't want me to go through the same stuff that he went through. I see. That makes it. Yeah, that makes a little more sense. That is so like, I have to hand it to you. That is so badass that like, <laughs> not only did you get into this whole venture, which is so difficult on so many levels. I can't even personally begin to fathom like the finance stuff. And you're lucky you had that background because I'm sure that helped so much. But then also to have your parents, you know, not taking you 100% seriously and maybe not being as proud of you as it sounds like maybe they were with your previous endeavors. I mean, even just unpacking, go to business school to meet your husband, you know, like, I think it's so cool that not only were you able to just kind of put that out of your head, but also be like, I want to actively prove them wrong. And then to be able to do that, that must have been so satisfying. Yeah. And I know that my parents said it with love and they genuinely think this is the best thing for me. And I don't hold it against them, but Truly, like, if I was a guy, I don't know if I would have the same kind of feedback from my same parents if my brother did this. 
I mean, for sure I wouldn't. <laughs> and it hurts when it comes from the people who are supposed to support you the most. And then my immediate friends were also like, what? Why are you doing this? Like, you have such a good setup. I was the youngest manager to be hired at Condé Nast. So if I, if I like just kind of kept going, I would have climbed up the ranks really quickly. But I didn't want to do that either. So a lot of people were confused. They're like, you have such a sick finance career paid ahead of you. You've done all this to get there. Why are you trying to get rid of that? And it's like, that's not what I want to do. I don't know. It's it's hard, man. <laughs> I can like go on about this for hours. <laughs> but I think that's what makes it so cool. And like, I find that having interviewed people for this and just thinking about my own journey and what I've been through recently, sometimes it's not the thing that people expect from you that you gain the most from. Because if you're really at a point where you're like, I am so passionate about this and I want to do this so badly that I don't care if my best friends, my parents, etc., are judging me for it. That means you're meant to do it. You know, exactly. like that means you care to a level that you wouldn't have ended up putting into that Condé Nast job necessarily. For sure. So I think that's just so admirable. And I want to give you so many props for that because Thank like, you. I can't, I can't even imagine. You've put in all the work. Also, just like hearing a little bit about you before and then also just reading about you and stuff. It's like you have all these different talents. You could have gone in so many directions. Mm -hmm. I know you said you were interested in screenwriting, which is why you majored in English. And then you're also like low key on the side working on a film in your spare time. I don't know how you have any. <laughs> and then like, and then you're in finance and then you also are in beauty and know all these amazing like science stats about it. I'm like, when does this girl, you really don't <laughs> sleep it sounds like. No, I mean, I have a crazy sleep yeah. schedule. Like I'll sleep like four <laughs> hours a day for like three days and I'll sleep 12. <laughs> so um, it's, you gotta love the 12 hour days. Though. Oh my those God. Are the good I, ones. Those, yeah. And then I'm even more tired when I wake up because I like slept too much yeah. and my brain can't handle it. But I think my trade as a writer, it's just been something that I've always done on the side. Um, I do it for fun. I used to write in my diary, you know, starting from when I was like five years old. And that led to me writing poems sometimes, and then it, me writing my screenplay. I'm really excited about my screenplay. A lot of the actors and directors, like I've talked to about it, they're like, wow, this is crazy writing. It's genuinely Fuck one of the things yeah. that I feel like I have a hard time bragging about anything else. But when it comes to like writing, I'm like, I'm not pretty good. <laughs> but You're like, this is kind of my thing. Yeah, like if I knew for a fact that it would like pay me, I would for sure be just writing. Yeah. But no, it helped me with my book and I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the marketing copy that I do for Crush Shining if I didn't have my English background. So I am like really grateful that I've had that experience, but I have periods of time where like I burn out and I have too much going on. So lately I'm just trying to like really focus on my lane and hiring people and agencies to be able to do the things that I know that I can do, but like someone else would do better. And that's something that I'm kind of struggling with right now, like letting go of the tasks and stop being such a perfectionist because there are other people who've done this their whole lives and they're better at it than I am. And just because I can do it doesn't mean I should be doing it all the time. So yeah. <laughs> That makes sense because it's kind of like you got to this point where you've poured so much time and energy into it and care about it so much that it becomes kind of your 
baby. It becomes like your child. And then on top of that, you've mentioned, you know, having anxiety issues, wanting to be in control all the time, which gotta say you're like preaching to the choir right here. Like half my bald Instagrams or my therapist says like jokes about anxiety because I'm like, yeah, you know, that hits home. So I want to hear actually a little more about that just because I do think getting into people's mental health stuff is so interesting. How has that been kind of trying to let go of that control and relinquish that control and manage your anxiety over the years? I would be lying if I said I still knew how to manage my anxiety. I still struggle with it. I'm taking supplements that help me calm down more and take things like more day to day. I've been really good at making lists. I make people love lists. lists. People get like amped about lists. Like when they check stuff off, I swear to God, I have some friends who are like, it's like an orgasm. Oh my God. No, it's so true. It's so true. (laughs) And what I've been doing lately is like, I'll wake up that day and I'll give myself at least five tasks. And I'm like, I will not go to bed unless I do these five tasks today. And, you know, they'll be manageable. It's not like earn a million dollars. In then one I'll, day. Yeah, in one day. And then I check the fifth one off. And then if I have more time or if I have more energy, then I'll make another three. And being able to control my task list has really helped me. And just being really open and communicative. I feel like I'm surrounded by such amazing people and like mentors. And if I can't do something, I'll just say it. And someone will know someone that could help me with that. Or I guess being able to like open up my workload has enabled me to have less anxiety and other people be part of the picture more. Yeah. That's such a good way to look at it too, to be like, not only am I helping myself and alleviating my anxiety, but also I'm building connections and bringing other people in. Because I think, yeah, especially when you are entrepreneurial in some way or creative, just thinking from my own experiences with like acting and doing this. It can be so hard to ask for help or reach out to people because you feel like you're like indebting them in some way. But people like to help other people. And I think we forget that a lot. For sure. People love helping. Yeah, because it makes you feel like, oh my God, I'm important enough that someone cares about my advice, my input. Like that's, you know, what's better than that? So that makes a lot of sense. I agree with that. So another question I had, and I do think it's kind of related to the anxiety and mental health stuff. I was just wondering, like as a woman, there's already so much pressure on us not to age or to look a certain way. So throughout the years, what has your relationship been with beauty and your personal self-esteem? And did you ever feel like you were being forced to conform to certain beauty standards or ideals growing up or now in particular being in the beauty world? To be honest, I've never really let other beauty ideals affect me. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, I've always been kind of like a lone wolf, and I do things my way. Like, the way I dress is really weird. Not weird, but like, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say, you look cute right now, so I don't know. (laughs) No, like, I just have like a really different sense of style and beauty than most people do. Like, I don't love jewelry. I dress kind of tomboy. I love vintage clothes and street style. You know, like, I don't dress, like, I have like feminine touches here and there. So that kind of translates to beauty. I've always been really okay with me not looking the same, right? I'm not like a pretty blonde girl, right? Like that's 
I'm assuming you're pointing at me. (laughs) No, I am. No, but really, like you are the like quintessential blonde bombshell, and like the makeup that you know Cosmo and Seventeen have, like that that's not suitable for my skin color. Like I can't be wearing cherry red lipstick, and people think that I'm not extra. You know, like it's like pink lipstick, red lipstick, all are not for my skin tone, and. Everything I do is just like, it's not congruent with American mainstream ideals. And at one point, I just kind of was like, you know what? I don't have those and I'm not going to. So I went and like unfollowed everyone that I was, I would be like, holy shit, I wish I looked like her. And I just was like, you know what? I was like, I need to like focus on like what works for me and taking care of my skin. The health of my skin is always going to be the most important thing. Not even because of beauty, but because I'm like, I want my skin to be healthy. And, you know, that's ingrained in me. So I'll take care of my skin extra and take all the supplements out there. But really, like, I'm not too stressed trying to, like, figure out if I'm, like, making or meeting the beauty trends. Because most likely I'm not. That's awesome, though. You know, it's so funny. You're like, yes, you fit in. And this is really bringing some outside stuff in. But Thinking about Black Lives Matter, I think they have brought so much awareness to beauty representation and how growing up in America, we only see very particular ideals of beauty. And growing up, I always saw that and I always had like insane body pressure on myself because I do have like a bigger rib cage or not a, you know, totally tiny size two waist, et cetera, stuff like that. But really thinking about what you're saying with also just like not being white and that not necessarily fitting what you're seeing not only in the magazines, but like on your Instagram feed. For it's sure. such an interesting point to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, growing up, like I had to, I was in dance and I was in cheer and I was doing like freelance modeling. And after all those instances, I would come home and be like, oh my God, I'm so much fatter than I need to be. Because there are people there who like yeah. will tell you, oh, your, your leotard looks weird. Or like I'd go in for a fitting there, like you gained a couple inches. And that for sure led to a lot of fucked up <laughs> psyche um, as a little, little, little girl. Like I was like maybe 13 when I first started thinking yeah. that I was like overweight. I've never been overweight, but that was like a genuine anxiety that I still have to this day. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think like when I think beauty ideals, there's like also like, you know, the American like body image ideal that I've struggled with. And I'm for sure, like even the reason that I care so much about supplements is I... I struggled with an eating disorder. So growing up, I was like, okay, like I'm not eating enough. So what kind of nutrients do I have to feed my body for me to be like functioning? And like, that's why I was exposed to supplements at such an early age before anybody in America was. But I think even looking at that, it's like I've been able to make beauty out of something that was like really chaotic for me at one point. Yeah, it's so interesting on so many levels. You brought up the gymnastics. You said gymnastics was one of the things you were doing, right? Or was it yeah, dance? Yeah, I, I was doing cheer, dance. Yeah, cheer, dance. Okay. So I was just translating for myself because I was doing gymnastics. And it's so funny what you remember from your childhood and some of these formative experiences that were like weirdly triggering or upsetting. Like I remember when I was younger and I was in gymnastics. First of all, I was, which I'm not tall now. I'm five seven, which is pretty average. Like it's not short, but it's not tall. Maybe it's a little taller than the average, but I'm no like model. I'm no like 5'11", you know, Bella Hadid or anything. <laughs> but I was 
tall as a young girl at like seven, eight, nine when I was doing these gymnastics classes and the other girls were like tiny and cute, which is more the gymnastics, small, like flip in the air body. Right. And I remember wearing a leotard and then in particular, one day we had a photo shoot that I feel like every like gymnastics girl's done where you have like your hands in the air and right. you're wearing a crazy colored leotard. About. Yeah, with the crazy colored background. Right. And I remember that was when, and I was only like seven or eight. And I was like, that was when I first felt insecure about my body. Cause I was like, I know I have a belly in this. Oh. And to be thinking that at seven or eight, it's like uh, yeah. seven years old. That's I crazy. Know. Clearly, you know, society is doing something wrong for girls. And I think that it is progressing in so many ways with trying to get more people of color seen, represented, etc. And with, you know, these body positivity movements you see in like dove campaigns and stuff like that. But there's obviously so much work to go because like when you said you struggled with eating stuff in the past, which I have as well, the fact that that doesn't even surprise me anymore... I feel like it's more surprising at this point in my life if I talk to one of my girlfriends and they're like, oh, I haven't. I've always been body positive, which is just Yeah, I know. And especially living in LA and New York, it's like, what is body positive? Like, is it looking your best or, you know, technically like the average healthy? What, like, what is, no one really knows what that ideal is either. But, you know, like, I I like to think that everyone's just, like, really individual and you have your own set of ideals to worry about. Like, no one's ever going to erase that from you. So you just kind of have to figure out what works for you health-wise and what makes you the happiest. And there's so many things you can do, right? Like, I really, I think, you know, what has helped me overcome a lot of that, a lot of the anxiety that I have about beauty and, like, my weight and, like, just looking a certain way is I, like, tried looking at what caused a lot of them. So, like... If I felt like I was really bloated, then like I'd be like, okay, what makes someone bloat? Or if I thought like my metabolism was bad or just genuinely like all these things that I didn't really understand about my body, I would really like push you to go and Google what those things are so that you could find out your solution. Which I love that about you. Like even when you're saying the supplement stuff, it's so funny because I mean, I had my (laughs) eating disorder phase when I was really young like I think I had from like 12 to 14 and my way of getting out of it actually ironically it came from two things it was like first of all I was singing which I still love to do and because I was um purging I was hurting my vocal cords so there was that and then also you were kind of talking about, you know, having hair issues and stuff like that. I don't know if they were directly connected, but it does affect your skin and hair and stuff like that. No, for sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So ironically, I mean, the voice stuff goes a little deeper, but part of the reason I got out of it was because I was like, you know, I can't look a certain way because I'm trying to make my body look a certain way. Like, there are some vain reasons that I got myself out of it, which is hilarious. I agree. Exactly. And like that could be what pushes you the most. Yeah. I think something that really kind of shook me up was when someone told me that if I keep going about it this way, it might be really hard for me to have kids. And like, yeah, I want like to have that. kids so badly. So you would I be think- a great mother. Thank you. You already, this morning I was feeling sick and Sally was like, drink turmeric. Oh my God, no, I'm so <laughs> annoying. Like when someone's like, when someone has like a health issue, I, yeah. I'll be like, do this, do that. 
I don't know. I'm, I am like really, I, like I said, like I'm like um, an aggressive personal Yelp concierge. Um, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. But also like, I feel like what you're saying, it also goes hand in hand with like, I love your approach to life because while I am kind of type A, so to speak in some ways, for you to look at something like your body or beauty standards and be like, okay, how are we going to fix it? Like it's so is like the, it is the left brain, right? Whatever, whichever one is like business oriented and science oriented and everything you're like, I would urge you if you're having trouble with your body or your digestion to like look into the good probiotics you could take or like, you know, ingest collagen. Like I love how you're such a solution based person. Honestly, that's like a perfect way to describe. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Incredible. Okay, so now I want to move on to a segment that I call quarter life qualms. So basically, this segment is just getting into your 20s in particular and growing up and like transitioning. So I'm going to ask you a few questions about that. Okay, perfect. Okay, so what is something that you have found challenging about being in your 20s? And have you ever had a moment of crisis? And if so, how have you faced it? What has it taught you? For sure. I mean, I think when I first turned 25, I was like, oh my God, like, is this really what I'm doing with my life? I think I was like very, even though at one point, a lot of people were like, so proud of me and excited about where my life was headed. It felt like they were more excited about it than I was about what I was doing. And I think that's kind of unfortunate. So when I realized that I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And I just kind of like reframed my life. I was like, I'm only, you know, I'm mid twenties and I was able to make these thousands of people happy. Like that should be enough for me. And I kind of started getting like more detached to things in my life. Like I was like, I don't care about meeting certain like financial goals. I don't care about meeting a certain revenue minimum. I just want to do things that make me really, really happy. And being able to like focus on that and like not caring about some of the superficial stuff, I think really enabled me to kind of get out of that slump. And I think obviously my quarter life experience isn't the same as like most people. So I don't know if I'm like speaking to that, but I think in general, just kind of like telling myself I get to do these things. I get to have these problems. I'm really lucky and being pissed off from the stuff that I have to go through. And that helped me reframe life. Yeah. I think that's so interesting what you said about other people being happier for you at times than you felt like you were for yourself. It sounds like maybe you had moments of imposter syndrome or you're working so hard that you weren't able to like really focus on and enjoy the success that you were gaining. Yeah. And I think, you know, success is kind of like a, it's like a slippery term for me because I feel like most people would consider success in a different way than I am. Like, I just really care about being happy in what I do. Like, if I'm not happy with it, then I just won't be able to do it. I legit can't do things that I don't want to do. So I think me being able to do that is my biggest success and everything else is just kind of like tangential to me. Which is so cool to hear from someone who has reached more like traditional financial success that what has really like guided you there and what's pushed you is you being personally satisfied doing it. Yeah, exactly. And like to be really transparent, if I was struggling, then maybe I wouldn't think this way. 
I think I've been really lucky to be able to build a brand and it became profitable quickly. But no matter how much money you see in your bank account, your life is still all dependent on how happy you are from within. And I think that's the most important thing. Some of the people I know who are, I would say, the most successful are like legit the most unhappy. And I think that's unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. So what is something you do if you're stressed out or not feeling like you're as present or happy as you could be? What's something that I know you were talking about lists and stuff, but maybe something outside of work that you use as a go to to kind of like recenter you? I like to take baths. <laughs> I like to <laughs> Don't like we all. Oh I really God. like to meditate, take baths. Um, I like to cook. I like to just like not think about work or whatever is like stressing me out. I'll probably honestly smoke and go to bed. That's kind of like my <laughs> biggest like yeah. way to deal with it. And then I'll wake up the next morning and I'll I'll feel more energized to be able to take that on. Yeah, that's so funny. You're referring to weed, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just, I'm dying personally inside right now because like I would not have pegged you from the rest of this interview and just what I do know you about kidding? you as a weed smoker. I'm dying. Oh my God. I'm like actually like such a stoner. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Female CEO, entrepreneur <laughs> with a side of stoner. I, I like probably shouldn't be like broadcasting that. I mean, it's legal here. So oh, yeah, it is legal. Here. I'm trying to tone it down now yeah. because it's obviously not the not the <laughs> best thing to do all the time. But um, it is relaxing. Like my biggest thing is like I'm neurotic and I overthink and it does help me manage that better. I think whatever you can do to calm yourself I um I had this amazing life coach, Callie Rogers, on for one of my episodes, and she was so funny because I asked her that question. At first, she was like, well, I ride my Peloton, and I do this. And then she was like, but what really oh relaxes me is eating goldfish and drinking wine. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. Like, when people say they go to the gym to, like, yeah. relieve their anxiety, I'm like, you're such a liar. Gym gives me anxiety. <laughs> Like what? Yeah. So all of it works and all of it is important. But yeah, I love that. Okay. So next question would be, what are some aspects of getting older that scare you? And then on the other end of that, so it's not just an anxiety producing question, since we just talked about how you relieve your anxiety. What are some aspects of getting older that you're really excited about? Getting older honestly scares me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I'm like super excited about anything about getting older. But I think in general, just being like a more confident person in who I am, being able to pursue the things that I want to do more, not having to care about stupid things that like my day to day. I would honestly be like really excited to be like a really dope mom. I feel like that's the kind of relationship that I've never had the joy of feeling. So I'm like definitely looking forward to that. When I'm ready though, because like I genuinely, if I am not ready for it, then like I don't. Are you dating anyone right now also? No. No. Okay. So we're going <laughs> to, we'll, we'll put that on hold for a little. I mean, you could always, you know, find a donor, but. Um... Find a donor. <laughs> <laughs> Sperm no, donor, you know. no, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do that. I That's have hard. such like such props for people who do. I agree. Yeah, having a business on your own and a baby on your own right now, maybe. Oh my god, I could not do that. <laughs> I like, can't even take dog? care of my dog. You have a dog? No, I way. have a like my brother's dog, and like if he goes out of town, he will ask me to take care of it, and I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm like so bad. I mean, I'm like, I love Ted. His name is Teddy and I love him so much. And like, I'll do everything for him, but I'll forget to do things like walk him or just like little, little tiny things. So um, totally. definitely not ready to have a kid. But I would actually love having a little dog that I can have yeah. like to go so to bed maybe, with every day. It's so funny how I feel like for so many people, like having a dog or an animal is like a gateway drug. Like you see these couples who are like, oh, well, you know, we'll get drug. a dog. We'll get a dog. And then eventually gateway drug to having a child. That I is. heard actually <laughs> having a dog is like the best birth control ever because then people don't want to have babies after they're like, I can't do this time's dead. They're like, if this is just a dog, I don't know if I can handle a human exactly which is probably for the best because there are some people you see who have kids and you're like I don't know if you should be taking care of it I on I agree with that people should like take lessons before they become a mom 100% not everyone's born with that maternal instinct yeah I agree with that so another question I had was when I was on your website and I was reading some of the content you had for it, you guys like to utilize the phrase, don't want to grow up. Yeah, that's our tagline. Which is obviously something we've all heard throughout the years, just like saying it ourselves, being human, watching Peter Pan, etc. But what does this catchphrase mean for you? And why did you choose it for the company specifically? Okay, so anti-aging, I feel, has like a really like negative connotation when it comes mm -hmm. to age. Aging isn't bad, right? Yeah. It's normal and it's natural. I feel like so many women try to look their youngest all the time, which I think is kind of unhealthy. And we wanted to do a fun spin on anti-aging because yeah. the benefits that Crush Tonic provide are, you know, quote unquote anti-aging but like really just like making you like feel and look better from within and I love that a lot of people who drink it have better energy they'll feel more like themselves like that's like the best review I feel I get like when people message me and they're like I haven't been able to be this happy in my own skin in a while I've been able to leave the house without makeup on and I think those things are like the most important when it comes to me and why I love what I do not necessarily like oh like you look younger but you know to sell the product you need to do something so <laughs> to sell the it. product yeah. you also have to mention how it makes you look younger. yeah like the benefits are for sure there but we want to do a fun twist on it Definitely. I think that's so cool. When I was reading some of the feedback you got, some of the reviews you got, which are all amazing, by the way. Um, I was just thinking about the idea of like beauty being skin deep. And obviously that's always said as something to make people feel less anxiety about how they look. And, you know, beauty does come from within to an extent. But I think it's so interesting how you're talking about some of these things that really do like deeply affect people's day-to-day -day and confidence, especially with the regeneration that helps with eczema. It helps with burn victims like yourself. Also, you have like the probiotics, which is helping people's gut health and energy. I just love the idea that anti-aging, quote unquote, for you guys, the focus is more on kind of reconnecting with your inner child and that positive day-to-day -day energy that you can bring to the table. Because exactly. I think that's like when I think about the podcast and when I think about people I've spoken to about the issue of aging, like, yeah, I think getting wrinkles, not the best thing. Like, do I want wrinkles? No. Am I scared of wrinkles? Yes. 
But really at the end of the day, I think what scares people about aging is losing that energy or that vitality. Exactly. Or the ability to like grow and change. Exactly. And like, again, it's like looking young is important to a lot of people. And I completely am guilty of that. You know, I would be lying if I said I didn't care about wrinkles. And obviously those things are so important. And that kind of like, not obsession, but our need to look a certain way mm-hmm. leads for us to feel a certain way. And that's, you know, another completely integral part of beauty. You don't have the confidence that you have without some of these beauty elements. So I can't knock on that completely. And I think um, I would be a hypocrite to say, like, I don't care. Like, obviously I care. But I think it's caring in a way that's like you're caring about the health of your body. Your skin looks good because you're healthy. You know, you're not covering up your skin. You genuinely just are glowing from within. That's kind of like the embodiment that I would want my brand and my customers to have. And I think that shines through 100%. Okay, just to finish up, this has been so fun. I want to play a little game with you that I just started. Yeah, games. So basically, my friend Russell and I came up with this, who was on the show pretty recently. Go and listen to his episode if you haven't already, but finish this one first. So instead of Vogue's 73 questions, where they rapid fire through questions, have you ever watched them on YouTube? Yeah, Yeah, I I love questions games. They're so fun. Instead of that, I've made it seven T questions. So like T-A, like what's the T, you know? So I'm going to ask you, you don't have to like full on rapid fire, but also you don't have to like go on as you would with the previous questions. So yeah, let's do it. it. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one, what's your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure is snacking. Snacking. Okay. What <laughs> like, kind of snacks? I love, yeah. I love, I love healthy snacks that are not that healthy, but I feel like I can, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> eat the whole bag. Yeah. Indulge better. So yeah. that, and I would probably say, honestly, no snacking. Snacking is my number snacking. one guilty pleasure. I yeah. love snacking. This whole podcast endorses snacking. Huge snacker. <laughs> it's so funny. I do the same thing. I'll get like a healthy bag of like, have you heard of hip peas? Oh my God, love hippies. Yeah, I love hippies. So I'll get a big bag of hippies and be like, okay, they're really healthy and they're good for you and they have chickpeas, but then I'll eat the whole bag and it's like, what are you doing, Caitlin? Like, that's not, that's not the point. Um, anyways, 70 questions. Next, aisle or window seat? Definitely window seat. Definitely window seat. I agree because I have a really overactive bladder, which is probably connected to IBS. Fun fact. Anyways. You need to take probiotics, girl. I know. I'm going to, I'm literally, <laughs> you have no idea. I'm sold on crush tonic after reading about it. So it's happening. <laughs> Good. Anyways, dogs or cats? Dogs. I agree with that too. I feel like I know what you're going to say for this one. Matcha or coffee? I actually can't choose between the two. Like, I love both so much. Yeah. I thought you were 100% after talking about the matcha flavoring going to be like matcha. No, I mean, we have a new coffee flavor coming out. So (laughs) good to know. Everybody look out for that coffee flavor. Oh my God. It's so good. I'm really excited. Yeah. I love both, but I I gravitate towards coffee. So that will, that'll be good. If you had one wish that you got to ask a genie for, what would it be? teleporting would it be new york to la korea where would it be yeah i would love to teleport to my grandma like every five seconds if i could (laughs) 
Is she still in Korea? Yeah, she's in Korea. She raised me and um, she's like my number one. Like everything I do in my life, it's for my grandma. And I'd like to see her more. But she's so far away. so sweet. (laughs) And didn't she also, she was part of the reason you got into collagen, right? Yeah, my grandma taught me everything that I used to know about food. Growing up, she's like, you have to eat this to look like this. You have to do this to look like that. Don't eat that. You'll get this. And Mm -hmm. that mentality has been ingrained in me for so long. And then I've just kind of watched what she's done. She escaped from North Korea and she's been like a really just like strong human who, you know, with the little resources that she has made the best Mm -hmm. of it. And it's kind of crazy, like thinking like, one generation ago was in North Korea and like if she didn't escape I would literally still be in North Korea so she's like a huge source of inspiration and kind of what keeps me going so I would love to teleport to her every five minutes if I could well I hope you find a genie soon because that's really I feel like so many people would be like money or a husband or a boyfriend (laughs) or whatever and you're like I want to see my grandma like that is fuck that is so sweet (laughs) Damn, heart is warmed. Um, okay, three adjectives that best describe you. Oh my god, um, passionate. I feel like I like can't choose three. I'm like clumsy. Like I feel clumsy. I feel like I'm honestly, I'm just like I'm so clumsy. I like need to like be a little bit better organized. I think I'm a, oh a pretty kind person. <laughs> I love hearing these little tidbits from you. Like, I like smoking pot. I'm clumsy. I'm disorganized. You come off as so the opposite as someone Wait, who is seriously? Yes. Oh my God, that's so funny. No, like, if <laughs> it's really funny because I do hear this a lot. People will think I'm like very like put together and stuff. And okay. my ex was like, so con- he was like, you literally live life as if you're like a five-year-old. Like you just go about life. <laughs> and everything you said that, it kind of just like struck me funny. I'm like, I kind of am a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> you're not growing up. You're forever young. I know. Oh my God. I, I, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to grow up. That's so funny. Well, guys, you heard it here first. CEO <laughs> also lives her life as a five-year-old. If that's not inspirational, I don't know what it is. Oh my God, so true. <laughs> so embarrassing. No, it's so great. I love any weird things about people. Just like, I'm like, okay. Oh, I have I have a Rolodex of it. I could keep it coming. Do we need another podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and then the last of the seven questions is what is one thing that people don't know about you but they will after listening to this podcast other than that you smoke weed (laughs) trust me that's like not like a secret (laughs) you're like no no no, they already know that (laughs) everyone knows um I'm like actually a big introvert so a lot of the things that I love doing are kind of more on my time like me time and self-care stuff I'm not like a really big party like I would say I've never been in a club more than 30 minutes. I love my grandma. <laughs> I feel like that's not a secret either, though. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Everything I do, yeah. like, I'm like, this is for my grandma. This is for my grandma. Like, I say it all the time, so that's definitely not a secret. But, yeah, I guess I'm, like, I'm, I'm more introverted than people know. Oh, 
I, I can't. The grandma stuff is just like, it's too pure. It's, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Oh, oh my God. God. Well, you. Sally, thank you so much for your time today. This was so fun. You are such an interesting, cool, and inspiring person to have had on. I'm so excited for people to hear the episode. So can you just plug where people can find you, where they can find Crush Tonic? My Instagram, my personal one is Salsters, S-A-L-L-S-T-E-R-S. Actually, there's a fun fact. People ask me all the time why my handle is that. It's what my brother calls me. He has like a different name for me every day. It's like Salarina, Salers, Salsters. my brother's like my best friend and the guy that i talk to the most and crush tonic's instagram is just crush tonic i have like a wellness one it's very uncurated and ugly but it's like my recipes and the things that <laughs> sure i do it um it's called collagen glow incredible and yeah my website is crushtonic.com yes and then we got it so that we could have a discount code for the podcast for people interested which i know i am yes wtfct and i think it's 20 dollars off for like a monthly kit okay so guys get your 20 dollars off for a monthly kit with the code wtf CT. And then as always, please rate, review, tell a friend, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell anyone and follow me at CKNY1213 and at WTF SUP pod. Okay. Bye everyone. Thank you again, Sally. Thank you. See you later.